0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Hello, and with me Cam Ruslan today, we have the return of, uh, he is a producer at BFM, Uh, he knows business, and he is Mikey Gong.
0: Hi Cam, good to see you, and good to be back. It's great to
1: have you, Mikey. And she is also with BFM, with the news team, and she's a first-timer here on A Bit of Culture. Looking forward to hearing what she has to say. She is Cheryl Ball.
2: Hi, Cam. I'm, I'm glad to be here.
1: That's wonderful to have you. And our three topics this week are, topic number one is serial killers. What's the fascination? Topic number two is, why do we buy mementos when we travel? And finally, topic number three is book talk. The, the perhaps growing uh, bad on TikTok and Instagram about reading books. Mm. So with topic number one, serial killers, why the fascination? I have to say, I don't get it. I find the whole notion of serial killers, I mean, I mean, yes, serial killer is very awful, but the notion of telling stories about serial killers, I find it gratuitous. Um, I was at the Georgetown Literary Festival recently, uh, where I caught COVID. Yeah, I'm okay now. And, um, there was a discussion about, um, uh, with three authors, one Swedish, two Malaysian talking about their books, which have serial killers. And they all of them prefaced their thing by saying, well, Sweden is a safe country. First of all, let me say, Sweden's a safe country. And then, say, Malaysian authors are like, yes, Malaysia is a safe country. And then in their books, they kill, I don't know, half a dozen people. Uh, The the books all sound very fascinating. And I actually, once upon a time, did quite a lot of research on maybe the first famous serial killer, Jack the Ripper, um, in London in the 1880s, a person who never got found killed five, maybe seven women who were all prostitutes in the east end of London or the Brick Lane area, which is traditionally where a lot of uh, immigrants live. And I was going through newspapers uh, expecting to see the story unfold before me. And I discovered they were not reported at all. They were not in the newspapers at all. There was zero interest in highbrow newspapers. But then when you go to the, the the more salacious newspapers catering for this exploding middle class, then it was popular. And the reason why it was popular is because these women were pretty much all Irish. One of them was Swedish. They were all prostitutes. And it was the idea that the East End contained all the evil of the world. And what could you expect from the Irish? They're disgusting. And it was... Um, Outside looking in, it was a kind of gratuitous enjoyment. And that, to me, is the way it's been ever since. I don't know. You too? are you interested in the, should we call it the genre of the serial killer? Cheryl?
2: Um, I'm really not. Um, Ah. I mean, I'm not even into like horror movies or things like that. Um, I've just never found the appeal of like violence and gore. Um reading these stories kind of always make me nauseous, which is why I kind of have always like questioned the fascination with it. Um, what I've always kind of like thought of is like you know, when people consume these types of stories, like is part of the appeal that, you know, one it's this fascination with the outside world, yes, or right, with a world that's not familiar to them. But in their heads, does it almost feel like they are consuming like fiction, you know, because they're so far removed. Mm. from the actual killings or it's taking place, you know, like, or it took place like 50 years ago. Like, is it kind of just easy to distance yourself and kind of forget that this was a very real person and these were very real people who mm. went through so, so much tragedy? So, yeah, I've always kind of questioned it myself.
1: Mm. So it's fun newtainment, uh, Yeah, kind of. Mikey, are you...
0: Uh, um, I think in the past, I, I I've sure actually... Mentioned that I actually really love reading Japanese crime novels. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, I'm not yes, so yes. much Swedish. I've read a few, uh, but yes, I do enjoy the the crime noir genre, especially from Japan. Um, but to answer your question, why the fascination is serial killers? My personal theory is that it's because um, the and unlike, well, let's just say, one of the people who kill on a one-off basis or murder on a one-off basis, there's no redemption arc. There's no sense of forgiveness and redemption. And the reason is because when serial killers are tested psychologically, they tend to test on the extreme end of the sociopathic uh, spectrum, um, psychopathic insight. So there's this lack of conscience or remorse for whatever they do. And I think that, that, and that, and that moves uh, the act, it's, uh, act, act assault into the horrific variety, to, 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 and and it moves from crime to horror. I mean, crime is horrible, but this actually is pure horror.
1: So it, it's also someone, a fascination,
0: uh, though, to
1: to to examine a mad person essentially. Yeah, I just want to point um, out. If Sweden's a safe country, Japan is like the safest country in the whole world, right? And yeah, you know, I don't think you know Bogota in the 1980s. I don't think there were
0: many kind of serial killer stories coming out, uh,
1: fictions coming out of you, there
0: then. You see, the serial killer trope has to do with one person doing the killing and remain, you know, and and remaining uh, and hidden, and where, where his or her crimes go unsolved. Uh this is opposed to mass killing, which let's say cartels or you know, or you know, or and or armies do on a white skilled basis. So why aren't we incredibly fascinated with that? Maybe yeah. you are, maybe you aren't. Uh, I am not. You yeah, know, but yeah. I think it's, it really like, goes back to the individual and again the fact that as I think as you mentioned, uh Cam, they lie on a certain spectrum which is hopefully foreign to all three of us here. Um, and uh, as as a, as a result, it has a certain weird fascination for some. Yeah. Cheryl, you, you um, curate the news. And,
1: I mean, as you're scrolling through looking for stories, presumably you find these kinds of things. And then do you, do you make a, I don't know if there's a BFM policy, but do you think, ooh, people are like that?
2: Um, well, I think you could say that about really just any kind of shocking news, not necessarily um, stories involving, like, murder, Um, when I see stuff like that, I am more just horrified. Like I feel a need to report it because it's, it's such big news. Um, just today morning, for example, there was a story of a man in Penang who got stabbed 27 times by a stranger. And like, no one knows why. And when I saw that I was shocked, um, you know, I had to report on it just because, you know, it, it, it's big news and, you know, it's, it's stuff that's, you know, it captures enough human interest that it is going to get a lot of engagement online. Um, I don't know if that's particularly like my reaction when I see it of like, oh, wow, he got stabbed 27 times. Can't wait to report this. I'm more just like, oh, that's that's quite horrific. Um, Yeah. But, you know, when people do consume this kind of content, I don't really know what it is our listeners do. But I would like to hope that people are more so horrified than they are kind of like amazed by by the psyche behind someone who would do that. Yeah, I I think think
1: we're horrified. But I mean, but the horrification is still kind of fascination. Yeah, Um.
2: I suppose. I mean, I get it. Like, I'm not into horror films, but I have watched a couple kind of like fictionalized TV shows um, about someone who is, you know, a murderer. Like, You is a popular example. um, That's a show about like a stalker who tends to kind of like murder like Um, the women he dates Um, that's a show that I've kind of always found fascinating because they present him um, the main character as kind of like an anti-hero and they kind of make you like empathize with him that so much so you often kind of forget how violent his crimes actually are because you see so much of like the emotional aspect that like leads him to commit these crimes Mm -hmm. so a part Mm -hmm. of me kind of sees this fascination um but I don't know. I think that I don't necessarily feel that way about tragedies that happen in real life.
0: They, and didn't Cheryl just and describe the fascination behind a TV series like Dexter, which is incredibly popular, uh, you know, uh, five to ten, year, ten years ago? I personally never saw the the uh, the appeal of it. Um, like Cheryl, I don't like horror. I know it's, it's odd. Why can't I read a novel and yet stay away from horror movies? I don't know. For some reason, I I, I can't separate the two into yeah. different genres. Uh, but that's a no topic for another time.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, one day I shall I shall um, do a fuller thing about uh, Jack the Ripper and the findings. Really because I mean, because the story I, I I lived in that area for a while, and and you'd always be hearing outside people taking people on tours, walking tours, and it's just like just this ongoing fascination for
0: because, these murders because they because they never caught him came they caught the Yorkshire Ripper and numerous others but not him
2: how are they I, even sure that it's one person like how do they not know that it was multiple people uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah yeah well, could well be but actually a woman a woman recently bought, bought a book i've bought the book i haven't read it yet but it's looking at the lives of the victims and looks at their life stories so in a way, it kind of finally um, we're finally sort of wrapping up the story because they've always just been um, fuel uh, uh, for for the story for this person who had never found or persons. Anyway, we move on and uh, from one extreme to the other, Mikey. Why yeah. do we buy mementos of our travels?
0: Ah, oh, that's. Um... This question's actually like been on my mind for um, quite, for quite a while. Uh, apparently, the, or- and the origins of this practice started in the 16th century when uh, Europeans actually started traveling more, and they actually uh, and they didn't just travel and brought back a few trinkets here and there, like what we do doing now. They actually brought back trunk loads of stuff. Uh, so much so that a separate room was needed for it, and that room has a German name. The, uh, it's called the wonder, wonder karma, uh the room of, literally, a room of wonders uh, where they stored all the artifacts and, souvenir, you know, souvenirs. And, the, and I think that the question I'm, I'd like to pose to both of you is, uh, why do we do this? Uh, why? I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure whether you go overseas and bring back souvenirs anymore. Maybe bring back Instagram shots or reels, you know, uh, rather than physical and objects. But I'd just like you to uh, contemplate one thing that Rob's Ralph, Ralph part, the author of Object Lessons, Souvenirs, once said, is that the reason why we do this, bringing back souvenirs, is it's a way of myth- mythologizing our own lives. I think probably a way to actually make ourselves feel relevant to the whole cycle of existence. What do you got? And what do both of you think? Oh, wow. Okay, just
1: land that one on us. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Cheryl. Cheryl, right? Are you?
2: Um, well, let me see. I think in maybe ways, because I am a very sentimental person, so when I do travel, I like the idea of kind of bringing a piece back with me. Um, it's always something different. Sometimes it's a keychain. Sometimes it's earrings. Um, but like with how sentimental I am, I tend to even bring back like tickets, um, you know, like entry tickets um, to a tourist spot that I went to or like sometimes even like a pamphlet. You know, and I keep all these things and sometimes I look back on it, even on like trips I took like 10 years ago. um, And it's, I don't know, it's just kind of nice. I like reminiscing. I like, you know, remembering what it was like when I first went in. Um, Yeah, I know maybe in a way I am kind of like romanticizing my life. I am kind of, you know, thinking of myself as like a main character in the story. And like these are all of like the previous episodes that I was in. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I definitely kind of relate to that. I I like bringing back little little trinkets with me.
1: So, last season on Cheryl Paul <laughs> uh, yeah i i I have to say that i've i've uh, been around enough now to have uh, been around when people die and then to go through their things and try to work out what to do with their things and actually the the holiday memento thing is is the saddest part because they're completely unintelligible well. to to anybody but that person who's now passed away and and what can you do? Nobody would want them because. Wrapped up inside it may be some memories that have just simply evaporated. Well, uh, And I found myself, I mean, actually looking around my room, there are things that I picked up and and, and I can't remember why. <laughs> I, I, it's like, I just, it, it must have been something kind of important at the time, but now I have no clue. Um, so I, I find I find those things rather sad. But the wunderkammer that you were talking about is actually, it's actually the precursor of the museum as opposed to just... Uh stuff we picked up on our holidays and there was a way to actually read them in in the kind it's, of rationalist uh way and different items would relate to the 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 way that we understand the physical world and the universe um so they, w- they would mm. so anybody who's in the know would be able to understand it but nowadays we would see I mean, gosh! I mean, the most tedious thing is going through someone's Instagram feed—it's like I have no idea <laughs> why is this so important to you.
0: Wait, you want yeah, yeah, to answer your own question, Mikey? How come? How come? Um, I think it it goes back to the the word souvenir itself, which actually is loosely translated from the French phrase for recollection. Uh, it's a means of sort of recollecting a certain journey or sheryl said experiences something that will trigger a memory and uh which pertains to only you and you yourself which is what you, basically you were saying cam when you went through the the treasure trove of of uh, items from your dearly departed and or whatever um it it meant something greatly to them i presume but it means nothing to you because there's no narrative attached to it it's an object um yeah, and the narrative has been lost to time unless they kept a journal.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Cheryl, do you? Do you, do you Instagram?
2: Um, well, I do have an account. I don't frequently post on it, um, so you, but every time I, sorry, do you
1: publicly tell the story of your life?
2: Um, not as much. I feel like I used to as a teenager. Um, or like when I have been on trips, I do post pictures and I sometimes maybe kind of give a brief description of what I did. But obviously, I don't think anyone who follows me, you know, is, is really kind of going through the experience with me. I'm not trying to like tell a story of myself right. online. But going back to what Mikey said, I actually do keep a journal. So with a lot of like the trinkets no, no, no. that I bring back, so like the pamphlets or tickets or whatever... I do tend to, like, you know, paste it in my journal and, like, write about it. So I'm kind of, like, keeping the story for myself. So, you know, whether or not I'll find this as as interesting when I'm, like, 60 years old and looking back, Um, I don't know if someone else will find it interesting at some point in my life. Um, But right now, it's a thing that I kind of just do for myself. I kind of just like looking back at my own memories. Um, Uh. Just for me, yeah.
1: Uh, it's uh, it's a journal oh. that is just for you. It is your own private. That's that's your thing.
2: Um, yes, it's it's not for anyone else. I would not want anyone else getting hold getting a hold of it.
0: But so, I mean, I know, hopefully, when this is uh, many many you know. years in the future, Cheryl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because so, for me and know, Mikey, it's on, next Tuesday, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> next Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> the, and we the are reading at the moment. Right. Um, no. Long after you're gone, Cheryl, would you mind someone look, looking at that journal and associating? The trinkets, of souvenirs, with the narrative and building a picture of you, basically, or writing a narrative. Um, Is is that all? Would you rather consign that journal to to a furnace and just keep it lost forever?
2: Um, If I'm being honest, I've always told people that I want my journals all burnt when I die. You know, it's purely a thing for me because, yes, you know, it is a it is a collection of like you know my memories and like past experiences. But it's also a collection of a lot of like my personal opinions or like my personal thoughts, um, you know, that feel like they're mine. I feel like I like collecting them because I like the idea of being able to look back on my own life someday. Um, Because sometimes even, you know, I look at I look back at a journal entry I wrote maybe like five years ago and I'm like, oh, I don't remember having those thoughts or I don't remember having, you know, this lunch with like the specific person. Um, and it's nice to kind of like look no. back in my life through my own words.
1: And you, I don't. Really, yeah, but you're very dedicated to it. I mean, there, there are no missing years. I mean, or, or weeks even, for that matter. There's um, always something. Well,
2: I usually write maybe like once a week. I don't have the time to do it every day. Well, um, but yeah. I mean, obviously, there are some weeks that I miss it. Um, but in general, like, yeah, I think most of the like prominent events of my life in the past few years have been have been journaled.
1: Wow. I mean, I, I I did it very briefly a long time ago, and then somebody who wasn't supposed to read it did read it, and I was in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I never did that again. Um, M- Mikey, we'll have to talk about that a bit more next time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, it was a bad, it was a bad time. Um, Mikey, would you? So, do you have a collection of things? Uh, I have so a collection. That mean, I do that have... mean nothing to anybody except for you?
0: Uh, I have souvenirs. Uh, I mean, on my travels, I brought back some and something to remind myself of that, the trip as similar to Cheryl. But now I'm just rethinking the whole process. I mean, this era era of um, industrialization and mass consumerism, you know, where basically where the souvenir you buy could have been made in China or somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, does it really, really reflect something of that country and of that place? Uh, at that particular time, so I, found my, and I find myself gathering experiences or even writing them down, um, consigning them to my, you know, to my mind, and, and it will be lost to time, I mean maybe even early if Alzheimer's hits me, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, even if I actually told someone like you, Cam, um, I could never actually express the full force of those experiences. No, and the you know, and, and the story that goes along with it. So, uh, the souvenirs are in my mind. Yeah, that's why we're putting in my mind and my heart. Yeah.
1: Well, I have here a stone that I I some I picked up somewhere, and <laughs> where no re- on the ground? <laughs> I don't know. I have no recollection. But- yeah, I might have bought it in a garden center for a fish pond. It may be that prosaic, but now it's like, it's like, oh, this is this is from the pyramids. I have no idea. I can't remember. I never read <laughs> the pyramids. Uh, so, um, Okay. Well, keep, keep your keep mementos, folks, and uh, good luck with that uh, diary journal thing, Cheryl. Keep going. You'll, you'll you'll be really pleased one day. Got it. Um. Yeah. And in a moment, uh, we're going to find out all about book talk. Here on a bit of culture on BFM eighty nine point nine, and we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, Cheryl Paul, and Mikey Gong. And now Cheryl, um something I re- I am so pleased you want to do this because I want to learn all about it. Because um very unethical here, I've just released a book called Confessions of an Old Boy, and I want to know how to promote it. So book talk, what is that?
2: Yeah, so well, I wanted to talk about this just because you know I don't know what everyone else's timelines look like on TikTok, um, but for me, my feed feels like you know it's mostly just books like books are just everywhere um you know when i open tiktok um there's so much book content so you know when i say book content i mean things like you know people posting videos of book recommendations they have um you know showing off their like you know prettily decorated bookshelves uh there are so many memes about reading um there are like compilation videos of people making things like you know books for cool girls Um, Or books for, like, people who relate to this particular Taylor Swift lyric. Um, Like, there's really something for everyone. Um, Like, you know, reading has also become, like, very aestheticized on TikTok. Um, And there are, like, different, like, subcultures. So there's, like, the stuff that's popular for, like, young adults or, like, people who read romance. Those kinds of videos tend to be really, like, colorful. There's, like, a pop. Um, There's, you know, it's always, like, exciting with, like, very, like, popular music in it. Then there's more of like a dark aesthetic for people who like reading classics or like literary fiction, Um, you know. That kind of features people who get like you know thrifted books, um, books with like damaged spines, um, you know, books that are kind of like you know. Or actually, they tend to feature a lot of like those vintage Penguin editions that you might be familiar with. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, they're all like these different aesthetics, and these are videos that get that get like millions of views. They do so well. They're like authors talking about how, you know, their book sales have seen like a huge increase in the past oh. year, um, even oh. though the book itself was released like five years ago. Oh, well, um, well. So, Cam, you might you might be in line.
1: Yeah, you know. who going contact? <laughs> I do understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's people? just like it's just like what people on TikTok decide is like the next big thing. Um, you know, it's whatever gets in those like you know top twenty books of twenty twenty three recommendations. Um, that's how I kind of get a lot of recommendations.
1: Right, but you also uh, said there detail. was Instagram as well. Uh, Bookstagram. It, yeah. Are we talking the same mm-hmm. kind of aesthetics, or is it a different um, thing?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. There's also Bookstagram. There's also like BookTube on YouTube. Oh. Um. And but I do feel like Book talk on TikTok has like the wide the widest community. Right, because, I mean, I've been a reader my whole life. I've always liked going on social media to see what other people are saying about books. So this is by no means, like, you know, a new phenomenon. But I think the difference with BookTok versus, you know, Bookstagram or, like, BookTube is that on BookTok, the space is so much bigger. But also, it's, like, the celebration of reading. Like, people want to be perceived as a reader. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just people talking about books, but if people wanting like that aesthetic of like you know like signaling to the world of like i'm a reader i like books i like this this kind of books like talk to me about it you know there's a celebration but i don't really remember seeing online do you
1: you join in or are you just observing it
2: i'm more a lurker i would say um i don't make my own tiktoks i kind of just consume a lot um but but yeah it's exciting you know, it almost feels like reading has become cool again. Not that uh, hey. it was ever uncool. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mikey, Um, I mean, you and me, oh. we, are the, we are the Tick and Top generation, are we not? Uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, are you familiar with any any of this?
0: None at all. Zero. I <laughs> I refuse to have anything to do with uh, TikTok. Oh, yeah, really? And, yeah. Um, and my attitude to social media, books and social media, I think, automatically up a little share i really rather not and and find out what other people think about my uh, my, an author or the book uh and I just go into bookshop and I browse and that's the where I do books but i but I don't know i mean i I think it's very
1: compelling the idea of being part of a, co- a community especially something uh, which is which is as inherently uh i is, essentially isolating as reading so what, it's, what what's what's wrong with it being isolating There's nothing wrong with it, Mike I'm just saying that there would be there is an attraction though um instead of just disappearing into a world of books you can actually um you know disappear into a world of books but appear into a world of book readers i right?
0: i mean i don't like, know, if, like book club but like book clubs for example well, yeah it's a
2: lot harder to find a book club than like you know finding a TikTok of someone talking about a book you just read, though.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think yeah. uh, the sheer the physical and logistic involved in getting people together to discuss a book, it's actually quite difficult in this day and age. So yeah. I, I would agree with Cheryl there that it's probably easier to get I, online. I was in, enough, it?
1: Yeah, I was in London recently and there's this bookshop there called uh, Hatch Arts. Very good bookshop. And mm. th- they were surprised to be experiencing sudden ups tick in the sales of a particular Charles Dickens book. I think it was hard times. It's like, I mean, the book came out 200 years ago, but suddenly a lot of people were buying it. Okay. And then they discovered that it was because it was, it had been mentioned in a a young adult book and that it had become an aesthetic in TikTok, et cetera, to, in in this YA book, a, a character went to Hatchards and bought the book. And so everybody was now wanting to to appear in you know to to pay homage to it, and I thought that was fun. I mean, if 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 the book in question had been Confessions of an Old Boy by Cam Russell, I'd be like, but, you know, I it's you're you're a lurker though, Cheryl. You don't you you don't plan to um,
2: show the well, world. Well, I think you are. it's I don't know. I think my relationship with social media has always been that like I'm on it and I consume content, but I've never like you know, wanted to, like, produce a lot of my own. Um, You know, especially because I think I should say as well that, like, the book talk community on TikTok is very... It's mostly teenagers. It's mostly very young people. So kind of, like, going back to, like, what Mikey said earlier, right, with, you know, there's nothing wrong with, like, reading being, isolating activity. You know, when you kind of, you know, remember that, like, most of this community are, like, young people, it makes sense that they're kind of looking to belong to a group. Yeah. So it makes sense to kind yeah. of like want to like divide themselves um from the world and say I'm a reader you know like come join me yeah. um come talk to me about like the things I want to talk about um you know because I don't think people do that just with reading I feel like you know hobbies in general um are a thing that people kind of sometimes young people especially try to sometimes like you know make their whole identity um yeah. in some ways so I don't know it kind of makes sense to me that a lot of them kind of want to, wear this hobby on their sleeves because they're so kind of eager to find people um to give them that sense of belonging, you know.
1: Yeah. So Mikey, you've never even TikTok, you I mean you, you clearly don't have the app on your phone. You you've never checked it out. You're not No. No. I I mean you and I we're about the same age and I can understand where you're coming from. But I I, I have checked it out because simply because, you know, I'm I, I just wanted um, to know how things work. And um and I, I did it through the Beatles. Um, and actually, I find it really compelling, precisely because of what Shao was saying, that, the, that you... It's really quite moving. You feel like you're part of something which is cross-generational, actually. And that's very thrilling. So even if I'm in my 50s now, and, and the, let's, let's say there was a book that I read in when I was in my early 20s that really meant something to me then. I would find it really quite moving if I could see somebody of that age saying what a great book it would it would really um it something to me in, in terms of a cross-generational thing i guess that by the time you get to our age though Mikey, yeah, i guess you know the telling the world that we've just read um war and peace is not it's not so i my god if i read war and peace i'd be telling the world i'd have read it,
0: what do you tr- it I, like you trying to tell the world and the world you actually did read war and Peace, all you need was by james jordan that would be incredible.
1: Yeah, if I actually, if we're... I read that, I, yeah. I mean, Cheryl, are there young kids reading uh, Ulysses by James Joyce?
2: There are people nah. reading War and Peace. Actually, I see so much content um, of people like you know romanticizing War and Peace. I've never read it myself, so Probably. I don't really have thought. Um, but yeah, there's very much that you know subsection of, of book talk as well that's into reading a lot of the older um, and what's considered like I guess more complicated classics.
0: I think yeah. I've been so young. I, I I I don't. I think it's right to actually tar the whole younger community with a, a general brush, and and the younger generation. And I'm speaking like a grumpy old man. That I actually you are, am. aren't you?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes, I am. It's actually
0: <laughs> and part of the part a lot smarter, sharper, more exposed to and and a globalized an, a globalized world as compared to you main camp yeah. when we were growing up. Absolutely. So it stands to reason that they should or would. Read books, uh, shall we just say, of a high caliber, of, of a more varied nature, compared to, um, and to us. And I can under- understand the socialization aspect of it, the need to actually uh, discuss this with someone. I mean, it's the same mechanism between you and me, just having a chat about a book that we, uh, uh that we like or dislike. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I understand the medium, and I understand the trimmings around him, which is what I think Cheryl called their standardization aesthetic, of, 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 yeah, that, that or is quite,
1: the culture. you managed to get quite an admission out of grumpy old man Mikey Gong there. And before you know it, he's going to be like addicted to TikTok. Yeah, I'd love like to my, see that. Yeah, mark my words. Hey, uh, before we finish, yeah. Cheryl, uh, are there any particular books which, which are, uh, uh, what are the, the book titles that are really up there that, that people are sort of? Um.
2: So I guess like this, I mean, this really kind of depends which, like, subculture you're in, right? Yeah. But I feel like, for me, what I tend to see recommended a lot um, is, like, the Song of Achilles, for example, um, which I'm not sure if, you've, if no. you've heard of that, but that's kind of like a retelling of Homer's The Iliad, okay. but, like, from the point of view of Patropolis, Um I love the, that. It was uh, one of sorry, my favorites. Point
1: favorite of view of, of who? Of of the the Troclus. Patroclus.
2: The the who are they? Um The,
1: um, the friend oh, no, of Achilles. Uh, Achilles' friend. Oh, Patrick. All yes. oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, this is the oh, problem is with that reading. How you, Oh, I'm the sorry if I'm pronouncing it. I now. know. The problem with reading <laughs> is you actually never know how things are actually supposed to be yeah, pronounced. Yeah, I suppose. Patroclus. To... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. All right. Is that,
0: that a new book? Patroclus. Yeah,
2: uh, I think that was one of those books that came out actually a while ago, but it just got popular on TikTok in like the past two years. Well, you know,
1: because when and, I was young, um, well, I... I devoured um, Greek mythology stories right. myself. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh-huh. It. Oh, wow. Oh, look after that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for the lesson. And uh, I will be jumping in and, and doing some really ham-fisted, terrible TikToks. <laughs> Trying to sell my book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: <laughs> glad so, to hear that. <laughs>
1: they're going to be so embarrassing. Um, so we move on to uh, recommendations. The final part of the show, where we recommend something we think might be of interest. and I go first. So... I'm I'm just going to recommend it because I'm really enjoying it. It's a book. And um, I'm reading it right now. And it's really good. It's called London and the 17th Century by Margaret Lincoln. And it's, it is, as it says on the tin, it's London and the 17th century. And the reason why I like it also is because it's not narrative history. Narrative history is when, you know, you follow one person's life and then he did this and then he did that. There's an inbuilt story in there and there's a beginning and an end. This is social history and I and it's a hard thing to pull off. And I, I enjoy social history where you just sort of talk about eating, you <laughs> know, food, medicine, and these and if you can make that um gripping, that's that's a real skill. And I think she's really done it. And uh it it's just really good. I like it. London Is there the a sem-
0: particular underlying theme in that book? This book is a sort, like for example, hygiene. When I think seventeenth century, I think hygiene. Wars. Yeah, th-
1: i mean there is quite a bit of that um well they themselves at that time didn't really look upon hygiene as being a thing um i mean there were a lot of there were a lot of there was a plague a lot of diseases but they didn't well, think that hygiene was the issue um smells they thought it all went through smells well, uh, so then they they carry uh, fragrant uh uh little uh handkerchiefs and what to, to, to uh, drink well. with um no i mean if there is an underlying theme is the idea that in that century london went from a fairly small place to a very big place so it's charting the, the growth of it um so that's my recommendation and uh
0: Next mikey uh, my, my recommendation is actually a tv series from oh probably over 15 uh, 16 years back it's called Rome. i oh. ran for two seasons and it instead of being a wide uh yeah. And, and and a big story about the Roman Empire. It actually told it through two protagonists, um, Julio and Lucius, two legionaries. Um, and I find it. I am. Uh, I found I myself revisiting it because there's this current fascination mm-hmm. with. Uh, and I think Sean understands this viral meme at the moment. Why I'm fascinated with the Roman Empire? Yeah, we should do a and, topic on uh, that one. You could <laughs> do a topic, but <laughs> if, uh, anyway, and. I remember watching this movie and this show years ago when it first came out. It was was a precursor to Game of Thrones in terms of its graphic uh, nature uh, and its depictions of sexuality and violence in its full uh, unvarnished in glory. glory. Um, And I think what was fascinating to me about the show was this. Um, Far from depicting the yeah plus I'm glorifying the Roman Empire, which some people you uh, 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 want to do, and I have to admit I did this, I did the same thing. um it actually showed the brutality, the the lack of um uh, of kindness basically to to the uh, and um, that the Romans had for people beneath them, and to each other, uh, life was cheap, um could be traded, could be sold, could be abused. And by the end of the show, and it was a very well-written show. But at the show, I was still thinking to myself, oh, I can't wait for Christianity to come uh, and and help these people because it's, you know because it's just so bad. And that was actually my final thought when the the, the critics were. I mean, I enjoyed the story, but yeah, uh, I'm you know I'm glad they decided to show it that way.
1: Yeah, I think it went to three. Just,
0: it went to three seasons. Two seasons, they, which is two. They couldn't do it. They, they couldn't do a third season because it was so expensive. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the the, the um uh the good, the, the good things about the show. They didn't spend any expense in terms of sets, um, effects, everything. And This was essentially a precursor to Game of Thrones. It allowed, uh, you know, mega epics of Game of Thrones to be actually filmed because people realized that. Because people wanted that realism, that uh, that, mm. that, uh, that you know, that yeah, yeah. Cheryl, are you familiar with the the show Rome?
2: Um, not at all, actually. Um, mm. I, I'm intrigued because I, I too oh. often think about the the Roman Empire oh. by not being a man. But, oh my God! <laughs> um, so yeah, I would I would definitely check we'll
0: it out. A, we'll have started a meme there
1: already. Yeah, I I I actually watched it fairly recently because I was visiting a friend and and he got obsessed by it. So I was just watching it while sitting with him, and I mentioned it in passing the other day because I I have a fascination for watching the extras and in the show Rome all the extras are really either really old or really Mm -hmm. young because it's shot in Bulgaria so clearly everybody of working age is is at work and so the only people they could hire were really young people or really old people so it made Rome look like a funny place it's like why is everyone (laughs) so old (laughs) is it as
2: noticeable that age difference well
1: only because I always look at the extras. Right. I, I make a point. A show in Bulgaria, and there was another show called Plebs, a comedy show that came along later, um, which I think has also de- reused the sets. Um, and Plebs is very funny. Okay, so that's Rome, an old HBO series when HBO used to make these things. Um, yeah. And uh, Cheryl, what's yours?
2: Um, well, so I'm going to recommend the new Scott Pilgrim Takes Off anime. Uh, that's yeah. currently on Netflix. So, I don't know if you guys have seen the the film in yeah. 2010 called Scott yes. Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it, right? So, this is, so, I mean, if you haven't heard of it, it's about a guy called Scott Pilgrim who meets his, like, dream yeah. girl at some point. Um, but, like, in order to date her, he needs to first de- defeat all of her evil exes. Um, so, I wasn't sure what to expect with this anime, considering it's a Netflix anime. Um, I thought it would maybe be, like, a sequel or, like, a prequel or something, but it, it blew my mind. It is a complete reimagining of the original premise. Um, there are all of these, like, twists, and the show kind of, like, starts off similarly to how the movie start up, started off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it goes a very different direction. It's almost, like, set in an alternate reality type of scenario, and, you know, there's a focus on different characters. Um, there are like new plot points um, it's also worth mentioning that the almost the entire cast from the film is involved in this anime oh, um, so yeah that that's really interesting the art style is really is really fun um, yeah you know I would I would highly recommend it um, both of you loved the, the original film um, but also you know if you're just looking for something fun and different to watch I, I really enjoyed it so far
1: yeah. Um Mikey, did you, you, you watched the original
0: film, did you? I I watched the original film. I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, severely
2: underrated.
0: Yeah. Uh and that and the fact that they're making it into an anime uh is actually uh and 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 I'm looking forward to it basically. Um I think it should have be been made into an an anime. Um I mean it completes a cycle. Uh comic book, graphic novel, um live action movie anime usually the other way around because i read a lot of manga it goes from manga anime then live action and of course in that trial one of those things will basically let you down <laughs> hmm. um, but I, here in this case i think scott pilgrim is um uh, adequately suited to be, uh, to be and to be done in anime style
1: yeah cause I, I don't know how it happened but i i, I saw the beginning of the uh, anime one and i thought what is he exactly like the movie this is the movie it's the same plot but then you say it it then jumps off in a different direction
2: yeah so if you actually finish the first episode it's in the ending of the first episode that you're like oh they're doing something different right Um, this is going in a different direction um yeah like i would i would definitely recommend it it is it will it will surprise you but like in a good way i will say that this anime is kind of different from the film in that i feel like it's made more for adults um there's some subject matter and there's like stuff that's discussed um that feels like it's made for a more adult audience. Uh, that so, that was yeah. something
1: that struck me about the movie, was it it really yeah. struck me as being like an old guy's re- remembrance of being young. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It didn't feel like it was coming from a kind of a, a youth space now. It was it had a nostalgia to it.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um okay. Um I shall have a look not a big anime fan but uh you've got mikey's mm-hmm. attention you got my attention yes yeah <laughs> and you got my attention on the tiktok so uh,
2: don't okay
0: yeah, that. that's good <laughs> <laughs> okay great <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i got no, nobody's attention on london in the 17th century
0: <laughs> oh yes uh, I, I do yeah no, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Sure. don't don't, yeah.
1: don't patronize me don't patronize me, don't patronize me. <laughs> So, um well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And I would like to thank Mikey Gong. Thank you. Well, thank you, Cam. And uh, uh, thank you so much, uh, Cheryl Paul.
2: Yeah, and, thank you.
1: And we will be seeing you again soon. Yeah. And uh, myself, Cam Ruslan. And uh, please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM
0: 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM
2: 89.9, The Business Station.